Hey there. This is the first of the listener response episodes under the WAF 2.0 Revengeance scheme. And I uh, want to take this opportunity to remind you that the deadline for any given month's responses is the 15th of the month. So the opportunity to talk about Final Fantasy IV has passed. But if you have things to say about either the Batman NES game or Batman Arkham Asylum, get those in by September the 15th of 2017. If it's after 2017, it is also too late. You can submit your responses by going to duckfeed.tv slash contact. Um, also, stick around to the end of this episode to hear what we're doing in October. That's a tease, right? Did I do a tease? Okay. Yeah, I teased all right. Okay. Uh, let's listen to what you have to say. <laughs> This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. Yes. And this week is our first of the WAF 2.0 um, Birth by Sleep subsistence editions of uh, <laughs> uh, of us reading your responses to the month's games. Yeah. So August. What a month it was. Yeah. Uh, as we report on August 19th. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, who knows what surprises the end of August holds for us. Yeah. And what surprises we hold for it. Um, we're looking back on this this terrible, terrible month in America. Yeah. Um, but, you know, good month for the show. Um, yeah. And we have uh, your responses both to Final Fantasy IV um, and the After Years. Sorry, and I did that favorites. for you because you would have done that if I did that for me. I appreciate it. I was swallowing, though. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> so a, little, a little peek behind the kimono. I had to, I had to do myself a quick swallow and, uh, and could, could not make it happen. Wait, are we supposed to call it our swallows? You should be saying it. Uh, I gave you a, a button to press like an Amazon. Oh, like uh, a dash kind of thing? Yeah, yeah a dash. So whenever you, uh, <laughs> whenever you do a, do a gl, gl, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. it's not like, like you have an echo. Amazon knows every single time you swallow. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, no. And, and I can, I mean, for, for the, for the purpose of the show, I, I've been expending a lot of effort getting off mic to do my swallows. So, mm. so yeah. Yeah. That's, I appreciate that. I, I try to, but every once in a while, it just uh, sneaks on through. Well, no, no, because we're it, it is it is a tight duel of words. This is the podcast version of Nidhog. Yes, yeah, the first person who swallows loses. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's a good idea for like something like, like, like shitty saw. <laughs> like we want to make sure you appreciate your swallowing. So stare at, stare at Carrie Elways and the first person who swallows loses. Um, I'll go ahead. Uh, people came out in force for this, which as to be expected with a very popular game. Yes. Um, I'm going to get started here with Mitchell, who says via contact. Hey, guys, I know you mentioned all the different versions of Final Fantasy IV at the beginning of the month. I want to point uh, other listeners towards Clyde Mandolin's Legends of Localization series on Final Fantasy IV at legendsoflocalization.com. He is a professional translator that also headed the Mother 3 fan translation and does a comparison between the original Japanese and English localization. He also frequently compares later translations, like the GBA and the DS, and even throws in the uh, J2A 
uh, fan translation that was meant to de-censor the original. It's a great read, very thorough, and uh, maybe interesting to you both since you have played multiple versions of the game. It certainly would be. Um, yeah. I would have looked into that uh, more greatly uh, for the episode. However, I am working my way through the Earthbound book that he just produced. Um, yeah. and also the, uh, the book about bad translations that he did kind of the very short one. Clive Mandolin's great. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I listened to the, uh, retronauts that he was on, yeah. uh, talking about this and, uh, they've referenced it several times and it is a, uh, it's a neat thing. Yeah. No, yeah. The, he does. He does a very good job. There's a, there's a, I am uniquely unsuited to that job. Like there's a level of meticulousness and comparing translations mm -hmm. that, uh, I could never do in a million years. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, just the like small differences like that as much. I want someone to highlight those and bring me in, bring them to me. I do not want to find them. He is very good at that. Like he is yeah. fascinated with language and with just the different abilities for different, um, both let's say languages and cultures, uh, mm. to convey particular ideas. And in reading the earthbound book that he produced, um, it is very clear what a great job Nintendo's translators did for that. Like mm. he, he is, I think maybe singularly qualified to bring that to the foreground. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Rusty writes via contact. I have played Final Fantasy four a number of times with my original playthrough on the SNES. I know for many, this game was the first RPG that they ever played, which brought them to the genre. I, however, did not get a, did not get a chance to play this until after I'd already played and fallen in love with Final Fantasy 3 or 6. You know the one we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I still really enjoyed this game and its cast of characters, despite, despite how dated it felt compared to Final Fantasy 6. Um, I was hoping for another game where I could assemble a large cast, switch out my party members as I saw fit, um, as opposed to the game always determining your party. Playing through this time on the PSP, I also felt that the game was significantly easier than previous versions. Despite this game's many flaws, I still regard it as one of my favorite RPGs based on the impact that it had on my gaming life. Again, thanks so much for all of the great programs that you, that you provide. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a lot of, lot to add to that. I play these in the proper order, so I didn't have that experience, but yeah. it's always hard to go backwards. It is. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be a common thread, like people whose favorite um, Final Fantasy game being six, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, <laughs> Those people writing in um, and saying their thoughts on Final Fantasy IV, um, I think that the experience of playing and talking about these, um, both FF4 and the After Years, has really put six forward in my mind, even though there is this weird kind of like whataboutism in my head about character customization. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, six doesn't let you do much of anything, but it's like, no, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter or it matters very little, like the last half of that game is amazing. It is, it is hard to beat that out of you as a partisan from an early age. Yeah. I mean, I, six does look like six, six has quite a bit more character customization in it than four does. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like, still just a scale. Like it, it's not like the paragon of the genre for that, but like, no, no, like, uh, you and, know, and, and that's why I'm like categorizing that as what about because it is not exactly like logical or anything. It's like, Oh, all, you know, like you're trying to teach Ultima to everybody. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And th that's <laughs> definitely like, it's weird. Um, similar to like some of the problems in four or two, it's a function of, uh, the game having its difficulty, kind of poorly balanced where you don't have to do anything more optimal than that. Right. 
you know, we didn't really talk about that. I don't think that I would have necessarily come to that conclusion when we did Final Fantasy VI. But mm -hmm. one of the things I think about is like that's how I played that when I was growing up as well, mm -hmm. rather than giving people a build. Uh, and if you were forced to specialize people or if you're forced to say like, hey, you know, not everyone needs Ultima because this person's way better at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, maybe, give, you know, you could you could teach a limited number of people Ultima or something like that. Yeah, give Ultima to Terra and Cells. Yeah. Yeah. And then every, you know, other people, you know, and, and the second time when I believe that when we played it for the show, I did a little bit more of that. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I like the idea of having those builds. But just when you don't require it, it's hard to have that be an advantage in the game. Oh, yeah. Like everybody you know? solidifies into a particular role at the end of the uh, at the end of FF4. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it is. It, on one hand, it's ridiculous to compare them, but also like the ceiling for customization and six, I think, is not. It's not worth bringing up in relation to this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. I like I, I've got I've got different uh, I've got mixed feelings on it. But also, I have switched positions. Like, 6 is amazing. <laughs> yeah, six, 6 does a bunch of really cool stuff. This does cool stuff, too. But again, I, and if we talked about this at length during the, the show. I think that the advantage of this is that it is that Ur advan adventure. Yeah. Like, Ur melodrama mm -hmm. deal to it. Like, if you want this classic kind of fellowship tale, this is a good version of that. Gary, I'm coming around to your point of view. Come on, just I'm, give me it. I'm not trying to argue with you. I was, I was just reiterating it. I was reiterating, reiterating our point of view, buddy. Like I, I wasn't trying to convince you. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's the cool thing that this does as well. Yep. It was it was uh, fun to pretend that the uh, the things were more combative than they usually are. Yeah. 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 The, the grudge, grudge match, summer of grudge match. Yeah. Um, which like is at an end now. Yeah. Because we both like Batman. Mm -hmm. Both gonna like the other Batman. Both like uh, you know, everything that's coming in October. Yes, we do. Um, I yeah. like this, uh, you know, the end of we're, we're back together. Mm -hmm. so the, the mother and son reunion is only a moment away. <laughs> like, you say mother, mother and child. son reunion? Mother and child is what I meant. The, okay. That Paul Simon song. But mother and son, uh, okay. I want to be specific so you didn't think it was any of my other kids. <laughs> um, I want there to be like a thing like how uh, Beavis's butthole, butthole son. <laughs> yeah, Beavis's eventually... butthole, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Beavis is butthole. What are the... <laughs> uh, the thing like Beavis is, is butthead son. Eventually, there'd be a thing where you're my son, and that becomes okay. the the urban legend. <laughs> like you know, because as as I get older and age worse than you, right? I think that that will become evident, right? Like right. you know, the the eventual way that my body will bananize, uh, <laughs> and like <laughs> like eventually, but, but like, like I'm about ready to fall off that same cliff, though. So <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we will see. It is a race to see who turns into the Bannon first. <laughs> Speaking of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, like, uh, my, and then, <laughs> my, 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 my hair is closer, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really tricky. I think together we could form... Uh, like, like a single Bannon, kind of, yeah. Yeah, like a Voltron, like Bannon-Tron <laughs> between the two of us. And then we can both be each other's sons. Uh, <laughs> like, we're two sons. I like how none of our apocalyptic scenarios involve us, like, breaking up the show. We would just do just the show... It would be related. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would just be us doing the show as a singular Bannon. Yeah, it would be very hard to, like, the show wouldn't break up, but it'd be hard to put Cole through college. <laughs> How <laughs> oh, am I going to afford that? How am I going to buy him Lunchables for the week? <laughs> yeah, I want the pizza Lunchables. Those are really good. Like it's yeah. just like a pita and some some red sauce. <laughs> um, but those are those were good Lunchables. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, David says by contact. <laughs> 
thanks for covering Final Fantasy IV. It was my first Final Fantasy experience growing up where I constantly rented it, rented it from the local uh, video slash game rental place. I always had a hard time following the story closely since the furthest I would get from the start before the rental was up to around Troya. Uh, since I had no expectation that my save would be there for the next rental, I reached a point where I'd grab a save close to where I thought I would have been and tried continuing from there. I love the point where the world opens up with the airship and I uh, spent a significant amount of time just going from town to town to talk to NPCs. Hearing the story and sequence of events laid out in WAF makes me wish I had owned the game since my memories are pretty disjointed from rentals. Uh, thanks again for covering the game. Looking forward to the WAF 2.0 format. Your experience, David, is You're actually very similar to mine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, except you eventually got the uh, the the real deal, the chronological deal. I did, yeah. Like, my, my parents, uh, my, my mom and my stepdad bought me this game, like... Uh, used from the actual game store that I rented this from. But, like, hmm. I beat this game before I actually uh, ever owned it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And imagine, you know, like, Cecil being your one constant and then loading up a later game save, which happens to be... Uh, that, <laughs> that happens to be uh, Paladin Cecil. Mm. Like, who the fuck is this dude? Yeah, um, why do they have the same name? No, no, they didn't have the same name because this person had uh, gone to Naming Way. And change oh, their no. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's boner? Who's yeah. boner? No. Who's drizzed? Like yeah, who's, so, who's so I was drizzed? I was actually I was I was following <laughs> you laugh. I was following um in my like Kmart super video uh footsteps here. Um the 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 one person in Mansfield, Ohio who loved RPGs who named all their characters, all the main characters drizzed. Oh man, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So like even Mario RPG, they named Mario Drizzed. <laughs> it's pretty good right that's, that's pretty good I, I, I like the idea of Ari Salvatore's Mario like quite a bit just 10 page long loving summaries of him jumping on a dude yeah yeah that's very good the turtle sprouted four additional legs <laughs> yeah uh, but I had a very similar experience to that um yeah, I think the copy that I still own is from that store. Mm. Yeah. Still got some Dritz DNA in it. Uh, maybe. I would have to go in and like take it to a data recovery person to like <laughs> yeah. look at the voltages on those particular <laughs> banks. Yeah. Like like run around the block a bunch of times, uh, tear your shirt in a space, mm -hmm. and then slide across the counter and just be like, give me Dritz. <laughs> like I need, I lost my Dritz. <laughs> uh, like that person even, I, I, I forget if Nobunaga's ambition um had uh had drist on it but uh mm. but yeah that what person probably did that history. yeah what's yeah. that so what a brave alternate history <laughs> can you imagine uh i could because i played it yeah it'd be called neo i don't actually know that just has again that has the cadence of a burn but i don't actually know what that means uh, <laughs> like, that's like... all that we know is over the course of the past two years you have learned several words and you have formulated <laughs> them into what seems like a burn yeah, I, I know. I know how. I know the uh, the the brackets. Yes. I, put it. I was just thinking of like you know sword fighty action, you know war no, no, Nobunaga's ambition era. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it, there's it made almost sense, but not quite there. <laughs> almost sense is not sense, my friend. Yeah. No, I know that's what I was going for though. But if you're that's aiming fine. below the the bullseye, yeah, no, it's fine. I get going it. for the twenty. Yeah. <laughs> That'll win you. That'll win you every yeah. game. Punch below yeah. the belt. Mm -hmm. um, Graham writes. FF4 isn't my favorite of the mainline franchise, but it's easily the one that I played the most. Any criticism that I bring to FM4 is fame. 
Um, I recognize the flaws of Final Fantasy IV, but for the same reasons people rightfully criticize the game I love it for. It's linear, not very talky, and doesn't stop for much. It's a dozen-hour video game experience that I can chip away at across a week. It's very digestible. There's a lack of customization aside from the endgame equipment options uh, and some other minor stuff. I wouldn't want new games, especially JRPGs and Final Fantasy titles, to be this restrictive, but my, nostal <laughs> but my nostalgia loves some Final Fantasy IV. Its digestibility um, has, uh, made me play, has made me play it about 10 times now, uh, which pretty much makes it one of my favorite games, at least in my top 20. I can only imagine uh, what it would have been, uh, what it would have been like uh, to play Final Fantasy IV when it was contemporary. There were precursors before it, uh, but I know that there were a lot of people who experienced FF4 and got their first taste of character-driven narrative in a video game. Uh, there's a danger to focusing more on story than on gameplay and video game dev, but the decision to emphasize on narrative was an innovative idea and a direction that I'm glad the franchise took. Yeah, yeah, I, I would argue like, and this is this is not me well actually, Graham. Uh, in any way, but like, I feel like Final Fantasy 2 Japanese does that too. Yep. Like Final Fantasy 2 is for all of its flaws, like does, does that, Yep. you know, it is, and it, it's very mechanic focused as well to like its detriment, mm -hmm. but it's also uh, very much about this like singular group and this rebellion and has this very strong narrative flavor. Mm -hmm. I think that you can read, um, you know, if you subscribe to the, um, you know, Final Fantasy games, like alternate ones, uh, innovate, you know, even, you know, even ones uh, kind of, uh, uh, evol you know, evolve. Mm -hmm. uh, you can kind of think of four as an evolution of two where it's like that same kind of narrative approach, but with none of the bullshit. Yeah. You know, without uh, kind of jettisoning those experimental elements that don't work. Yeah. But knowing what I know about Graham, like he was not there to play Final Fantasy two in Japan when it first came out. Oh, for sure. And neither yeah. was I. You know, it's just it's, it's like it's a thing that's like it's neat that the franchise took that direction, but it's like it had been they'd figure that out earlier. This is just them perfecting it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, it speaks even better of square to like figure that out even earlier, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's good because like immediately after this, at least in the pure timeline of the series, they would take a hard left toward mechanical superiority. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were kind of, yeah, kind of that. And, and a lot of things that are kind of both, you know, it's hard to say that like something like, eight isn't very narrative focused because it is you know i think it's yeah. like the you know it's just the narratives get kind of kind of dumber uh, <laughs> in some ways you know they, they get more superficially convoluted without without actually accomplishing a lot yeah at least in terms of at least you know at least eight yeah uh and stuff the, another weird kind of like um blending of those two things that popped up is five which is definitely a narrative game uh, you know, it's mechanic focused. It does have like you spend a lot of time watching people talk in that game. You do. Yeah. You know, like yeah, we we are in different sides of whether we think that story is any good. But it is a blend of those two things. Uh -huh. You know, same thing with tactics, too, which like tactics is actually like a very cool story. I think I, I think tactics is like take both of those faders, both story and mechanic, and they just put them put them to max. Yeah. Yeah. T tactics is is unquestionably, uh, in my opinion, the best Final Fantasy. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's not, there's not, and it's in my top three, like best games. Yeah. Like I love final fantasy tactics and it's like, it's, it's just doing both those things. I'm always excited to, to get into a battle. Mm-hmm. I'm always excited to like spread my experience points and make my yeah. dudes and decide how I'm doing it. Yep. And, and I'm excited and, to see what happens next. Yeah. Me as a story hound, like I'm, I, I love just the like palace intrigue stuff that they have going on. Yeah. With it. Like, and like, even when it breaks into like mystical shit, it feels like they've earned it because they put in a lot of time on the more grounded stuff, you know? The mystical shit is is a little bit better than a lot of the time. You know, the mystical shit. It's not quite as aromas like popping up out of nowhere. It's like yeah, yeah. Just you know, it, there's evil stones involved. It's like it's, it's <laughs> like a little Lovecrafty, and then a little bit of stuff with like the the saint uh, coming through the Saint Ajora or whatever yeah. is like mildly weaker, but still not egregious. Like still not no. bad by any means. Yeah. So Final Tactics is real good. Yep. Glad we've uh, we've done that. Can we do it again? Maybe. I don't know. People keep floating that question by. I, there's too many new things I want to do, but like we want to do advance. Like, like we we would have to do advance before that. And that's a, that's a harder sell because I I like that so much less. Oh yeah. Like advance. Yeah, advance is is. How long has it been since you played advance? Like oh, since it first came out. Yeah, yeah. it it is is mechanically neat, right? Like it, it's not quite as neat as Final Fantasy Tactics, but it's still neat. The story is so slight. Like it eventually gets kind of heavy and cool and dark. Yep. It takes a very long time to get there. Yeah. Like you spend a lot of times just like, oh, the wizard lost his spell book. Like you, yeah. you do a lot yeah. of dipshit kid stuff for a very long time before anything gets cool. Yeah. Uh, and that story, I replayed that like close to when I moved out here. So maybe like 2010. Yeah. I mean, 2009. Yeah. Um, and it's a. Uh, I didn't find that it held up particularly well. Like it's still a good game, mm-hmm. but it's not. Uh, it doesn't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for, I never beat the second one, which is weird because it still has those base mechanics. But like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of small changes that make that game like borderline yeah, playable to me. I do not have the same antip- antipathy toward A2 that you do. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever beat it? Yeah. I yeah, it's just I I don't know what it is. I'd have to try it again to figure out what it was that turned me off so much. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just had a real hard time with that one. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe, I mean, one of those at some point, possibly for the show, but, like, it's not going to be a substitute for tactics. What we need to do is let us clean together, um, which everyone yeah. says is the proper Final Fantasy Tactics mm-hmm. uh, follow-up, and I'd love an excuse to play that, because I've never played it. Yeah. And um, I know I would love it. Same so. camp. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's what we'll actually have to do. Yeah. Uh, don't add us. It's not on the schedule. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know when we'd do it. Um, uh, Matt says, via contact, uh, I've never written into the show before, but because Final Fantasy IV is so important to me, I thought I'd finally do it. I first played it when I was very young, about seven or eight, and rented it while staying at my grandmother's house for a vacation. I'd never played an RPG before, but after having seen a family friend playing Link to the Past and seeing how different from Super Mario World uh, it was, I was instantly curious. I didn't end up beating it during the rental. I got stuck at Mount Ordeals, but I'd become obsessed. I begged for it for my birthday and spent an entire, uh, the entire Christmas break beating it, even going so as far as to get the rat tail and all the endgame weapons and grinding everyone to max level. Oh, to have the free time of youth. (laughs) In retrospect, the story and translation are a bunch of garbled nonsense. But to a kid that had just recently moved on to books without pictures, it presented a huge world filled with lore and interesting characters. The constant noble sacrifices and the twist with Golbez and the moon shocked me and showed me that video games were capable of having drama and suspense just like a movie. Uh, Rydia's story uh, was sad to me because she was just a little kid like me. On a more embarrassing note, she was also my first fictional character crush. Uh, I'll still go back and play through it every now and then. It's a great comfort food game to play in bed before going to sleep. 
It makes me happy that something that was uh, formative to my childhood has held up well over the years and many remakes and ports. And I hope you guys enjoyed revisiting it as well. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't an unqualified win. Um, no. But it reaffirmed its place in the series for me. Yeah. It's still, it's still a very good game. Like, it's, you know, it is a good game. Yeah. Like, it, it gets to a point, like, there's definitely a point in it where I am less interested in it than I am in the beginning. Yeah. But it's got a very, like, like you know, kind of, I guess, in, in line with most Final Fantasies, has, like, a, a much better, like, first third than last third. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, kind of, it's hard to do endings. That's the case for a lot of things, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Matt's story uh, very much reflects my own because um, I played this shortly after the, let's say, a couple months to a year period where my brother was, like, reading me books. Mm. <laughs> You know, like I was mostly reading picture books, but Chris would come in and read like Charlotte's Web or a Goosebones book. Um, and then this kind of replaced that. Um, and he would also include tormenting details and that to make me upset. So, mm. yeah, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like getting into RPGs definitely coincide with me, like reading a lot of like young adult fantasy stuff like my, yeah. you know, my love of, of early Final Fantasies, even back to the NES Final Fantasy one was you know foundational and part of my like dragons over spaceships bias as is like yeah. i am just down for a fantasy world mm -hmm. uh you know a hundred times out of a hundred like i want to see people walk around the woods and shoot bows and arrows and shit yeah uh and that's just kind of cool to me and that was a big deal when i played this when i was was younger too yeah you know um yeah craig writes via contact while I doubt any Final Fantasy game will ever unseat six for me as my favorites, uh, as my favorite in the series, four will always hold a special place in my heart. I'm a little younger than you two, so my first exposure to the game was with the Game Boy Advance remake, uh, which came out when I was when I was a teenager. Um, like many people at that age, I was mopey and struggling uh, to determine who I really was. So a game where the main character starts out as dark or evil but questioning things goes through a redemption arc and becomes the person that they want to be um, and then saves the world alongside their friends had a certain appeal to me. It's well-tread story ground, but even now it's something I'm down with. Uh, there are a lot of places where your party members sacrifice themselves to save everyone else as well, uh, giving more, giving it more melodrama and, uh, and drawing me in further. But I had forgotten about the prophecy in Mesidia. Um, and the fact that Cecil is part is, is part Lunarian, so for me, those story details aren't really important for the overall feel. You also called out the main Final Fantasy theme in Part 1, which I didn't really uh, label as the main theme of the series until this game. Uh, the way gaming has a Mario theme or a Zelda theme. Uh, it only pops up a few times uh, in this game, but it's used to great effect. In the Attract mode, when you first turn on the game... And when Cecil and Kane first set out, my favorite use, however, is when it plays as Cecil is dragging, dragging himself out of the dirt with the help of his friend's prayers right before taking on the final boss. Uh, that's one of the most memorable scenes in all of gaming for me. Um, and even now, I can't watch it without tearing up. Anyway, Final Fantasy IV isn't my favorite game or my favorite JRPG or even my favorite Final Fantasy game. Um, but it had a positive influence on games that I do love, uh, and I played it just at the right time and age uh, for the story to really resonate with me. Would that we all could come out of our own man ordeals as paladins. Yeah, 
Yep. Uh, that, that main theme thing, um, I would agree with you that this is the first entry to use it really well. Yep. Like it, it's the, you know, it's the repeating motif, motif in the series. It's definitely shown up until this point, but mm-hmm. uh, they've definitely, uh, it's, it comes back more often in this. Um, I think it does come back in, uh, I know it's on, I think it's on the title screen in Final Fantasy 1. Yep. Um, and does come back in 2 and 3, but this is uh, a better articulation of it and utilizes it uh, more frequently and kind of better. Yeah, it uses it at important points. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Uh, good. Uh, good. Good points. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, Michael says via contact. I couldn't let a waff on one of my all-time faves go by without commenting. While not my first RPG, Final Fantasy IV is definitely the RPG that really shaped my love for the genre. Only eleven at the time. I didn't enjoy reading books as a child, but loved reading RPG dialogue. The characters were so cool, and I felt like I was sharing their adventures. Two quick tales. Since I was young, I didn't know much about Japanese designs at the time, so in renaming a character after my family, I named Kane Debbie because of the <laughs> uh, long flowing hair. Uh, thankfully, you could fix that later on, because otherwise it would have made the scenes with Cecil and Rosa kind of confusing. Uh, Final Fantasy IV was also the first game I had a nightmare about. As I woke up in sweat, fearing that my friends had left me trapped in the sealed cave underground. Oh, no. Uh, A story which I later told my fifth grade teacher who looked upon me with eyes glazed over. Uh, As, you know, is fair. And, you know, in retrospect, not take your teacher's side, but it seems fair to me. Um, I didn't care. Uh, Final Final Fantasy IV became and still is a favorite of mine. I love how the unique characters jump in and out of the party instead of sticking with you. uh, Instead of sticking with cookie cutter characters the whole time. Campy as it may be. I still love it, and it weighs well. I remember having Final Fantasy IV Nightmares. Yeah, you, you definitely have related to more of these. These are all just you. These are like your alternates. <laughs> Not to make a you know a dissociative identity disorder joke or anything like that, but it's like that um, that show uh, on HBO. Alternates? Uh, it's not called alternates. It's it's the uh, Diablo <laughs> Cody show. Uh, like, ah, fuck if I know, man. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that sounds worse. It's like a show that she made that is supposed to be good. It's not like the Diablo Cody show featuring <laughs> random. <laughs> <laughs> featuring swear to blog. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. No, I, I had a nightmare about Mylon um, or uh, what's his name? Scar Leone. Um, oh, after yeah. he transformed, I, I, I dreamed that he was in my closet uh, when mm. I was sleeping as a, as a second grader. Yeah. Hmm. Um, also, I remember, uh, I think I've told the story on here before, but it bears repeating now that we're here. Um, I remember like going to orientation for fourth grade, I think, and hearing my teacher say like, oh, in fourth grade, you have to exercise more responsibility, which of course is bullshit. You don't, you're, you're a fucking <laughs> child. Whatever. They say that every time you go into a grade. I remember like getting a real like fear speech before I went into high school. Yeah. And yeah. like high school is slightly, but we had a uh, middle school, you know, we had eighth grade. Uh, and then I went to ninth grade. And they're like, listen, when you get to ninth grade, man, you yeah. are going to have to watch the fuck out. And it's, it's just like, eh, no, I don't. Yeah. Well, know, the, well, it, is, it is all bullshit. Everything an adult tells you when you're young is a lie. <laughs> yep. Well, there's also like in uh, in middle school and high school, like, oh, the class that came before you ruined it for you. Like, oh, oh and yeah. now they're going to be much harder on you because of that. Like, all, all of that there. But like my, my, my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Hancock, said like, oh, you're going to have to be like way more responsible. And me as the precocious youngster was like, oh, I've been playing Final Fantasy 2, which is which is a responsibility game. You That's know, very funny. I, I've had to keep my I've had to keep my party's HP up between battles. Yeah. Well, how do they react to that? Uh, they, they had no did idea. Did the teacher beat you up? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, she uh, uh, just a bunch of kidney shots. Yeah, just like, 
sorry, son, I know this is illegal, but the, uh, <laughs> you made me do the, this. The, the, the only thing I have in comparison to that, like the most embarrassing, like taking a, uh, a dork culture thing that you should stamp down and exposing a teacher to it uh-huh. was uh, insisting um, in fourth grade that I was a, was able to do a book report on a lone wolf. Uh, game oh geez yeah and yeah and just being like no no like and and she's like well how can you mark your progress and say what page you're on and i was like i'll just count how many pages i read total uh through it but those those books like as you go through them because they're those branching paths are like way shorter yeah yeah you know and it was just uh just what i wanted to to read at the time Uh you know i wasn't uh you know i was just trying to base it i was i read other books too but i was like very obsessed with those yeah. at the time so but i convinced the teacher to go along with it and uh yeah she <laughs> yeah. shouldn't she should not have allowed me to under any circumstances yeah i um, remember getting accelerated reader points for my dragon riders of pern books even mm-hmm. though those didn't have tests just by writing short synopses of what Excel- those books were <laughs> this is accelerated sorry to make all these noises in the background i keep trying to put down my phone i've knocked okay. down like three things doing it <laughs> You should have, uh, like, I, I have um, multiple silicone coasters around my desk that's so I can I set things down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got to get. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's fine. Oh. Don't worry. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Doug writes via contact. For me, FF4 was a launch pad to a world of more sophisticated story-driven games. I was born in 1980, so I cut my teeth on the Atari and then the SNES. Sorry, the NES, rather. Um, with a few notable exceptions, none of these uh, games on these systems did what FF4 did in terms of the breadth and scope of its narrative. Each system, uh, each segment of the game, rather, uh, felt like a new episode of my favorite show. And I have very fond memories of making my of making time at my friends' houses after school um, and even faking sick to play it once I had a copy of my own. Though FS6 will always be my favorite of the series. Four was the first game to demonstrate the full potential of games as a story-based medium. Uh, it was it was probably the first console game that I played uh, that was more than a dash from left to right, uh, and at least for me personally, opened up a possibility space in terms of what games could be. Looking back on it as an adult over twenty-five years later, uh, the game's flaws are obvious. Uh, but that does not detract from what FF4 really represents. FF4 uh, was like the series hitting the runway, and, F- and FF6 was the series taking flight. Although games probably should have gotten to where they uh, are today eventually, I think FF4's narrative ambition and overall quality mark it as a true evolutionary leap forward for RPGs and games as a whole. Yeah, it's definitely like the ur of this, like, this kind of flavor and era of RPG. Yeah. Where the you know, story like feels, definitely calls yeah. out the marching orders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is something, um, I think I was talking to you about this and I was talking to, um, on Twitter, uh, Amy Holbrook, a uh, friend of the show. Yep. Um, about like being young and thinking, um, I'm not saying that like being young and thinking like, Oh, I'm sophisticated because I like RPGs the same way, you know, you told your teacher, like yeah. I am responsible. Yeah. I like RPGs. Um, you know, and thinking that that was smarter because I like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and less smart when like of people who liked, you know, platformers and the like exclusively. And now I realize like, that's a, you know, a, a silly thing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's sophistication can come across in other ways or in lots of different ways, mm-hmm. but this, it is a new way to express sophistication. And it's a way that, um, is like weirdly kind of showier. Yeah. I mean, you it's, know, like it's a way that more closely represents books and movies, yes, which yeah, have easier, easier much to more cachet on, than games do. Right. 
Yes. It's, it's, it's way easier to kind of map the sophistication of a narrative-based game like this mm-hmm. than it is to express or understand as a kid just how fucking sophisticated Super Mario Brothers 1 is. You know, as a <laughs> right. thing. Like the, like the perfection of that, like, like as a you, thing. Like, you have to wait until you're 30 to, like, make a case for why Super Mario World is sophisticated, right? Yes. Whereas you know, this like, feels very, like, much more superficially like other media that have much more respect from kind of like mainstream teacher culture, right? Yes. And the weird thing is then when you map it onto a book or, or movie, like a lot of times, like it wouldn't hold up real well. Oh, the substance falls short. Yeah. Yeah. So like the substance, but it, it's just that new way of expressing sophistication that I think gets a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and, and there's, you know, that it happened to me 100%. Like oh, got me like, you know, I, I still fall for that sometimes, you know? Yeah. It, it's just very hard to like understand or to internalize at all, you know, uh, especially as a kid that like, oh, like different, there are different ways to kind of express, express that. Yeah. So. Or, or as a kid, like as a 27 year old, like two years ago when I was playing Steins Gate and thinking like, man, this is much better than the anime because I'm pressing A to exit, to advance yeah. the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. You know, Like, well, yeah. the anime is perfectly fine. Like, it's a good story. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's, there's different, uh. There's kind of, you know, as you get older, you get more nuanced in looking at this kind of stuff. Yeah. For sure. Um, David says, by contact. Uh, I've only recently got into the Final Fantasy series, having first played six a few years ago and then moving on to 10, 7, and the others in the mainline series. So when Wolf 2.0 announced its debut with Final Fantasy 4, I took a chance uh, to pick it up and try to play along with the show. Uh, emphasis on try, or try in quotation mark, however we want to put that. Uh, he <laughs> puts try in quotations. Um while I really do like the speed at which it develops and the melodrama of frequently losing and gaining party members to the point where once Yang sacrificed himself, I couldn't help but shout at my Vita, why do all you people keep dying? <laughs> uh, that encounter rate is not the greatest and is actually really annoying to me. I got roughly halfway through it and realized this is 2017 and it seems as if a great game comes out every two weeks or so. I still want to get to pray, for instance. So I put it down for the time being, uh, this time referring to a Final Fantasy IV. Uh, I most likely will return at some point, but after I feel like I've made a big enough dent in my backlog, ha, then I can push <laughs> through that damn encounter rate again. Yeah. Um, I think about this all the time. Uh, as I get older, like I have this, uh, man, today, uh, as we're recording, this won't be useful to people listening. There is a Lovecraft birthday st- sale on GOG. Um, every time I buy something on GOG, I am reminded of the 50 or so games I really want to play that I have on GOG yep. that I don't have internalized because it's not my Steam list. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just like, oh, the problem's actually way worse than I think it is <laughs> of things I'm not getting to. Yeah. And it just makes me so sensitive to like things like this. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, I can do them for the show and I can, I can get over it. It's not an insurmountable problem, but no, we have when to, I do we have feel to like lash it, ourselves to the bow to do it. You know? Yeah, there's there's an element, yeah, Stefan Cotton in our ears, like to to make to get through these things like this encounter rate where it's like if I was just a civilian, like, man, would I just I'd put that down. Yep. You know, even if I even if I you know I love like I do do love this game, but like that's a, an inexcusable part that like, you know, people are either in two camps. Like there's either like there are people who are like, you know, David who who do see it as a big problem. And then I've also had people like on Twitter and stuff just be like, I can't believe you get you bring that up. Like it's just how it is, and I'm like, yeah, well, it's it's a, it's like, a big no, deal though, buddy. It's, like it's the main part. Like it's one of the two main systems of the game. Like yeah. you're fighting or you are seeing story. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's like Sid Nancy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, it is. It's it's a really huge proportion of what you do, right? You know, 
Uh, and when that kind of comes up when I'm playing a game where it's like, oh, another encounter like already, uh, it just I just that mountain of backlog and like dog uh, and stuff just like weighs on me, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I could be not doing this or when I replay something, too, Yep. which is, is another issue, but brings up the same insecurity. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is so. you know, how much new stuff am I going to see before I die? How many new experiences am I going to get that will inform you know, the things that I talk about on the road to dying. Right. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I'm bummed. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get, get through that stuff. The nice thing, that's one of the nice things about off uh, 2.0 with, uh, games of any stripe. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's going to be some like backlog stuff we can, we can hit up. Yep. You know, uh, uh there's one coming up for me, uh, of several coming up actually. So yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Natalie writes via contact. Final Fantasy IV is my favorite game, and one of my favorite gaming memories. Shortly after the start of the 16-bit generation, I'd mostly quit playing video games thanks to newfound interest in guitar and girls. However, uh, one day my best friend told me that I had to come to his house after school to see the new game that he was playing, which turned out to be Final Fantasy II on the SNES. When I saw the Mist Cave for the first time, I was immediately entranced. The music... The graphics, the drama of the fight with the Mist Dragon, and subsequent destruction of Radia's village, and (laughs) they were beyond uh, anything that I thought games were capable of. Suddenly, I wanted the world... (laughs) Suddenly, all I wanted in the world was an SNES and a copy of Final Fantasy IV. I didn't have the kind of money, uh, but I did uh, have a local video store that rented both. So the following weekend, I got set up (laughs) with a rented uh, copy of the uh, of the game and camped out of my bedroom for the first ever gaming marathon after nearly 48 straight hours i saw the game through to its ending it's a little embarrassing to admit just how profound the experience of this poorly translated melodrama was to my 13 year old self however uh that's not to say uh that nothing in the game still holds up i'll always love the quiet scene of edward alone at night in capo grieving for his anna uh, and the little twinge of sadness that I feel every time that I walked past the stone bodies of Palum and Porum. People tend to remember how Final Fantasy IV undoes its characters' dramatic self-sacrifices, uh, but it's worth remembering that it also dealt with grief in a way that, at least to my knowledge, no other console game had. Um, I still play through Final Fantasy IV every couple of years, most recently powering through the entire game in a single 22-hour sitting for for an Extra Life charity stream. Nice. Um, yet, I'm almost as enthusiastic for it now as I was in the first day that I saw, the first day that I saw it in my friend's bedroom. <laughs> first off, awesome on you for doing a marathon for uh, Extra Life. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, good job. Um, yeah, and it, it is, uh, you know, like a, a lot of stuff that we, we've talked about um before but it does uh you know have that effect on a lot of people um of our age and a little bit you know a little bit younger uh based on just being that first time you see that presentation mm-hmm. and see some of those things like um you know grief is not something that pops up in Con- contra no you know, or in castlevania <laughs> 4 you know yeah. at all <laughs> the only thing that, so. the only thing that dies that you care about is you and yeah exactly. that is only a momentary distraction and it happens 30 times which is only a couple times less than sacrifices and Final Fantasy IV. Marginally. So, yeah. Yeah, marginally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, Natalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin says via contact. 
Uh, Final Fantasy IV was the first JRPG that I played all the way through, and I played it for the first time at the age of 34. As a kid, I found the turn-based combat of JRPGs completely uninspiring and the grinding aspect almost intolerable. Even when I was blown away by the stories and uh, story and visuals of Final Fantasy VII as a teenager, in the end I gave up halfway through uh, because I just couldn't take the combat anymore. What changed at the age of 34 was that I became a father, and my time and mental energy for video games was extremely diminished. Don't get me wrong. I love being a father and wouldn't trade it for anything. We weren't going to ask you to trade <laughs> no, it. No, like, <laughs> yeah, but, neither like, no. Neither of us This was going to begin so... with like a Faustian bargain in which you like <laughs> trade your baby for video games. Um, but one day after a long day of work and a draining evening of taking care of the crying baby, I was really craving a video game. And I happened to pick up my wife's old pink colored Nintendo DS and I started playing Final Fantasy IV. I was immediately mesmerized and discovered that this was exactly the game I needed. The turn-based combat was relaxing after a really long day. When the baby was taking a nap, grinding up a couple levels required the perfect amount of mental energy. It was even fun. I finished Final Fantasy IV over the course of a few weeks of late nights and nap times, and then moved on to Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, Dragon Quest, the whole JRPG nine yards. <laughs> so in answer to the usual question, who, besides kids with no responsibility, uh, have the time to deal with all the JRPG random encounters and grinding, I offer this answer. New parents, without the mental energy to do anything else. For the first time ever, I thought random encounters and grinding were awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, that lines up with both things that I've heard from my friends, like Dennis, uh, like mm -hmm. was seeking out games that he could play with one hand while he mm. was cradling his kids. Um, and from like other people, like Griffin McElroy talks about those uh, kind of things all the time. Hmm. Yeah, I love that uh, that uh, Earthbound controller scheme that you can play on one hand. Yeah, with that, you know that that's that's extremely good for that. So I didn't see that in your JRPG whole nine yards. So <laughs> Quinn, you should play Earthbound. Yep. Uh, so have another kid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> have a. Uh, you should have another baby. Okay. And if you do, we will trade you all the video games in the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can uh, I can see that. It's there's different kinds of uh, you know I haven't played it in a long time, but Isaac was always my like. You know, it was my, I don't need to think, and I barely need to even, you know, I can do this really quick. Yeah. And barely engages me because I'm, I'm so familiar with it. Yeah. Um, you know, but I can, I can see that as well. And I also talk to people, you know, people on our Slack who are really big fans of the genre. Uh, oftentimes, uh, they work jobs they don't like and come home and want to relax. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the same. It's also like the same argument I hear for Destiny. Uh, uh -huh. you know, when people talk about how much they like the game Destiny, that's why a lot uh -huh. of the time. So yeah. it's, oh. it's, uh, it's what I find in the Sims, right? Like I want to make some, uh, so, some very basic non-demanding decisions that, you know, I can see play out in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, Agon of Astora, our friend from Bonfire Side Chat oh, yeah. says via contact, I just picked up Final Fantasy four on the DS in order to keep me sane while doing research in the field for my dissertation. Uh, so the timing of these episodes was great for me. Thanks very much for that. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. um, that said, Final Fantasy VII was my first Final Fantasy game. And though I went on to play Final Fantasy VI and VIII, VII is the game that sticks out most of my mind. And though VII is one of my all-time favorites, I was always annoyed by one thing. The fact that when Eris is killed, no one even mentions the impossibility of using a phoenix down to revive her. Um, possibility slash impossibility is the way he wrote that. Um, uh, in Final Fantasy IV, by contrast, uh, I thought that they handled it much better with the sacrifice of Palom and Porum. 
That is, in the DS version at least, Tella tries to cast Azuna to reverse uh, to reverse rather uh, their self-inflicted petrification. But the spell is said to have not worked because they turned themselves to stone of their own will. While, sure, you could ar- argue that Eris's death was similarly self-sacrificial, uh, this wouldn't have uh, made, sorry, uh, this wasn't really made explicit uh, in the text of the game itself in the same way that it was here. So, whereas Eris' uh, death ignores gameplay mechanics in the service of the story, Palamon Porum's self-sacrifice acknowledges both, and I thought that uh, that was worth a little bit of praise. Now, with all that said, I've only just finished the, the, the Tower of Zot, so you may have already discussed this in part two, uh, which I've not yet listened to. And the game may yet cheapen their sacrifice by, <laughs> by bringing them back into the fold later on in the game. I hope not. Uh, but Palamon Porum's sacrifice is the highlight of the game for me up to this point. Yeah, yeah, it is really neat. I think yeah. that we talk about that in the episode that they they bring it up. Like it doesn't it doesn't quite square the circle, you know, because it, it doesn't work with a thing that feels a little hand wavy. Yeah, you know, like the self sacrifice thing. It's like, well, what exactly are the rules here? You know. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really cool that it deals with it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it and it is silly that nobody tries it. It would take one line to make that happen in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. You know, and and uh, kind of deal with that mm-hmm. because players have been talking about that forever. And I think because no one talks about it is part of the reason why uh, there are where all the rumors. Yep. You know, about bringing her back because it's like it's so weird that no one's even trying. Mm-hmm. You know, if they said like if you know somebody tried to use a, a Phoenix down, they'd been like, oh, because she died here in the uh, land of the ancients or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the power is too great. She's forever beyond our reach. Yeah. You know, there we go. Yep, there like we go. That, that would yep. kill, that would kill a generation of playground rumors, which like isn't a good thing, but <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know would have saved uh, kids a bunch of time. It, it, it would have, and you know who has uh, so little time to waste aside from children? You know, like yeah, and new parents. They they they, they really need to uh, start uh, learning Cantonese like right quick. Mm-hmm. Coding. Yep. Cantonese. Coding. Get out of here, man. Coding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it yeah, just uh, a good. Uh, good observation they got it, it is it is yeah final fantasy 4 is much more comfortable with its mechanics like acknowledging uh an intermingling an intermingling of its mechanics and its story than ff7 is mm-hmm. yeah yeah um agreed 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 um bear taco uh says via contact um i love final fantasy 4 i love its music i love the sprite work and i love the simplicity of its combat especially as somebody who was introduced to the series as a kid through Final Fantasy VIII. But the thing is, I didn't experience Final Fantasy IV through the SNES release or even its DS re-release. I played a fan-created Final Fantasy IV MMORPG in the Beyond engine. Okay, Uh, go on. I don't know what any of this stuff means. Yeah, no, it's Uh, good. It's it's a good uh, response, man. (laughs) Beyond is an incredible relic of the early 2000s, allowing people to create their own tile-based multiplayer experiences. You might have heard of Space Station 13, a game that I think was pretty popular on Something Awful and ran on that engine. I did? Uh, I didn't. Uh, Man, Beyond. Um, It created uh, or featured all kinds of bizarre games, but the one I fell in love with was a massively multiplayer Final Fantasy IV, complete with stolen music and sprites. (laughs) You picked a class from the main game and started in Baron, where you made your way around the world, grouping up with uh, the 30 or other so players that were online at the time to grind and complete dungeons. The world and the menus were all faithfully recreated uh, pixel for pixel, along with the ATB battle system, though the game lacked any of the story. 
I think it was very cool. And I was wondering if you guys had any experiences with Beyond. Uh, sadly, it seems that I, uh, it may have been lost the time, though it will always hold a special place in my heart. So I have never heard of any of this. Neither, neither have I. So I've heard of Space Station, Space Station 13, but more as like a place for like goon raids to happen. Mm. You know, like as like funny little like one or two sentence stories about like people from something awful creating mayhem. I had no idea that it was this expansive engine where you could recreate um, things as complex as FF2. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I, I still like I don't, you know, I, my first I had a tiny little like feeling of like, oh, man, I would kind of want to play that. And it's like it's still going to be an MMO. So right, I, I right. probably wouldn't. But yeah. it, I would have eaten the shit out of this, like if, if if I came across this in the early 2000s. Yep. Like this would have would have been a, a killing word. Yeah. You know, this this would have been a really big deal. <laughs> if I came to this in my tibia era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for sharing that because I had no idea that existed. Yeah. Beyond. Very cool. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna look, I'm looking forward to finding that in the show notes or for the show notes and reading about it. Yeah. Um, Brian writes via contact. On the topic of obnoxious encounter rates, if you haven't seen the Final Fantasy IV speedrun, I highly recommend that you watch this short segment uh, from the current world record for the any percentage, no credits, warp category. Um, from the end of the opening text scroll through the missed dragon fight, please trust me, it won't take long. And then he includes a link here, which I mm -hmm. watched. Um, we, we can get the takeaway from this here shortly. Um, and then Brian waits patiently. All right. Thanks, Brian. Oh, am I watching mm. it now? No, no. I just wanted to do a pause there because it would be funny. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> notice anything odd at all about this speed run? Like the fact that there were no random encounters at all in the mist cave? Welcome to the world of step routing. The FF4 speedrunning community has discovered a while back that on the US and SNES version of the game, the encounters are mapped out by the steps depending on when you hit the A button on the title screen. Imagine a variable counting up from zero every frame. Um, <laughs> when it goes to 255, it returns to zero and repeats. That's essentially what is happening in the background at the title screen. Um, and the moment that you press the A button, you are given the associated counter, uh, the associated encounter seed. Um, the speed run, <laughs> the speed run leverages this heavily. Seed 92 is the ideal seed for no encounters through mist. After a trick is performed near the town of mist, they save and power off the console. Then attempt to plug seed 43 with a well-timed A press, often using the music as a cue or by using a timer uh, on your phone as speedrunner no cash no cash did on this ff4 run uh at awesome game awesome games done quick 20, 2016 um now this technique doesn't weed out back attacks or surprise attacks uh but steps are counted fastidiously throughout the game to reduce the encounters uh often going as far as to take extra steps in locations where encounters cannot happen uh to advance the step counter uh to the optimized number the humor isn't lost on me that the U.S. SNES version, which in my opinion is the least guilty of obnoxious encounter rates, has optimizations to reduce them further. I just thought that it was interesting. Uh, it was an interesting fact to share since the first episode focused on how much uh, the encounter rate negatively uh, negatively impact the, uh, impacts the gameplay. Yeah, that is, I, I've watched um, this before. Yeah, um, not the specific one on Twitch. I watched uh, the speedrun 
in 2016 that he mentions. Yeah. And both of us know this kind of stuff happens, right? With RNG yeah. being seeded by things that the player does. It was just remarkable watching. I watched about like 15 minutes of the link that uh, that Brian shared. Um, <laughs> noticing like, oh yeah, like he's just like this person is just straight up walking through a mist because they had mm-hmm. memorized the route through. Yeah, that, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, we, I th- I'm sure we talked about this before, but speedrunning uh, big RPGs like this is bonkers to me. Yep. Uh, because you, uh, you have to, the iteration, like the the uh, cycle, you know, mm-hmm. to like try new things is so long. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna get in a quick speedrun, and it's like, well, that's the, that's a whole day if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, um, what's the like one of them recently? Uh, somebody finally completed. It's like the hundred percent speedrun of like. Some are some RPG, but it's like a 13 hour speed run. Oh, geez. Um, I, I wish I could remember what it is. It's like I think it's like the longest speed run mm-hmm. that there is. Um, and just kind of amazing to me that people don't just say like, well, let's let's not do that one. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, like, let's not is in a, is not in a lot of these people's vocabularies. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's similar to in uh, Out of Suffering where you talked about, like, you know, becoming the speed runner for uh, Junkyard Dog for the Atari Lynx. Yeah. Is that like if, if there's no category, like you can instantly be somebody kind of in that community, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh. So I'm, I'm looking at this. So the the, the speed run is uh, like two hours and 15 minutes long. Mm. Um, do you, do you want to know when the Tower of Zot takes place? Uh, when is that? Um, it is at roughly an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to take a look at that Yeah. again. Like that's the kind of bland thing I could have on the background. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. So, uh, Fletcher says by contact, uh, Final Fantasy four is in a bad game. But outside of the more freeform DS slash Steam releases, uh, it tends to be one of my least liked because uh, it's all story, no mechanical depth. This makes for crappy feedback. So here's a story about my youth and Final Fantasy. I was a young nerd, and before we could afford D&D books, we'd chat about Final Fantasy 1 on the playground. My friends and I. Uh, this got around, and one day, out of nowhere, someone ran up to us, and in a voice akin to Bobcat Goldthwait, kicked in the nuts, screamed, Final Fantasy! Uh, and <laughs> suplexed my, what? <laughs> hold on and suplexed my friend david uh that dude was the after years given flesh 20 years early <laughs> oh man a speed suplexing <laughs> yeah that's that's how you break the bat that's how the, yeah that's how you break your own back like I, I think i would hurt myself more than anyone else if i tried to suplex them i imagine like grabbing them leaning back and then just fall, like folding like a you know like a wet cracker. Oh, fo- like, uh, like like folding like Homer over the uh, over, over that uh, the camp. Yeah, the fire hydrant. The, the, the fire hydrant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we both are, we both remember shitty late season <laughs> bad symptoms. Um, yeah, I just I just imagine the the spino crack or whatever. Yeah. Like hit me there real bad. Um, that's very funny. I, I just like the like the idea that this person had momentarily taken up Final Fantasy as his uh, as like his a battle, battle cry. cry. <laughs> yeah. His house words. <laughs> um, so we have some responses that eventually get into both here. Uh, Sam writes via contact. Despite playing through the game a couple of times, I never actually finished Final Fantasy IV until playing the complete collection for, for PSP. As far as I know, Final Fantasy IV The After Years is about Cecil going to a mountain, fighting a bunch of random, <laughs> random battles, and getting bored and playing something else. 
The main game of Final Fantasy IV is still a fun 16-bit RPG, which is full of the whimsical charm of JRPGs of that era. Even if it is simpler than a lot of the other games uh, in that genre that came out later in the SNES's life cycle. Mm-hmm. You're giving it way too much credit. Cecil never leaves the castle until yeah, the that, very, very true. end of the game. You're like, thinking of Theodore. <laughs> Cecil's shitty kid who doesn't yeah, recognize yes. what he's got. How good he's, he's got son. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just imagining like uh, Cecil opening up his GOG account. And then just like ding, 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 you know, and like the Mount Ordeals music starting and him playing a bunch of GOG things instead of, you know, doing like, oh, Clive Barking's Clive Barker's Undying. Oh my gosh, Clive Barking, the doggo version of Clive Barker's Undying. Undogging. Clive Barker's Undogging. Yeah. Yeah. Way into it. Yeah. The, uh, Thanks, Sam. Uh-huh. Um, David says, by contact. Final Fantasy IV was my first RPG. Rented it from a grocery store, uh, movie slash game rental kiosk three times before the owner just let me keep it. Huh. Um, I He's kind of resentful there. Well, like, huh. Oh, somebody got some <laughs> well, hand. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that later. Yeah, okay. we'll, we'll just talk about um, that. I've played and bought the game uh, what feels like a half dozen times across all the versions and still love it. Despite being the hardest version, the friggin' imps outside of Baron Castle take two hits to kill at first. The DS version is by far my favorite, thanks to the boatloads of extra features. I think the after I think uh, the after years holds up a little better if you don't come fresh off of a Final Fantasy IV run. The sameness comes off uh, more nostalgic than copy pasta. Yeah. Also, I hope I wasn't the only person who stripped Cecil of all his gear before his last fight in order to pimp out Theodore. Uh, magic space time shared inventory for the win. Yeah, we said that several times during the After Years episodes. Like, don't play this the way the PSP version pre- presents it to you. Yeah, like put it yeah. down for a year at the very least. Yep. Yeah. Um. And and you know, even though you know, yes, that is not the right way to play it. Like that is the way that you know it's presented. Yeah. You know, so like yes, like I knew that going in, but also like here <laughs> it is as the thing I bought. Yep. You know, it wasn't just the show. It's also. You yep. know, I can imagine getting done with Final Fantasy IV and being like, I want a continuation of yeah. that. I want to I want to uh, learn who Zeromas is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where, uh, uh, where's that Zeromas? What does he smell like? Yeah, Sniff? yeah. Snip, snip, yeah. Um, where, where's my Zeromi? Uh, the, uh, but it's not, it's the ways that's not a continuation. Yeah. That are kind of surprising that belie its like status as a sequel. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, in, it's the ways that it continually goes over, which like most sequels don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, even even uh, series that have more direct narrative uh, kind of continuation as opposed to Final Fantasy. It's not like, uh, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to think of a, a good game where the story continues like Suikoden. Like you don't spend all of Suikoden 2 in the same areas as Suikoden 1. Right. You know, it, it's a sequel. It, it takes place in the same world. It deals with some of the same characters, but it's not as rehashy. So it's a weird thing that does blindside you. Yep. You know, and that, that's why uh, you have to kind of take that advice on how to play it. Yeah. If you're going to, which I don't recommend. No, I don't uh, either, even though I am not as down on it as a lot of people. Yeah. Greg writes via contact, Final Fantasy IV holds a special place in my heart. Um, I'd rank it as one of my personal top 10 favorite games. I know the game isn't quite as good now as it was when it first came out, but I still replay it every couple of years, trying a different version each time. Um, that's possible. Uh, that's been possible, rather. Uh, to do because all of the different versions of the game have come out. 
I bought the game uh, with Christmas money in 1991 when I was 15, along with my Super Nintendo. Um, it was the first major major purchase that I made with my own money. $180 uh, for the system and $70 for Final Fantasy IV. Wow. Um, to this day, it's the most money that I've paid for a single video game. Um, and it is still my favorite Final Fantasy game in the series. I already, uh, sorry, I had already played, uh, and enjoyed both Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior by the, by this time, but FF4 blew me away. The story, the characters, the graphics, the music, even the fact <laughs> that the cart, um, had four game save spots. Everything was perfect and had a lasting impression on me for years to come and even to this day. The manual was large and detailed and very helpful. I was still finding secrets years after the fact. Uh, I didn't know about the fireplace passage in Mist until 10 years later. Um, and I still recall uh, the one weekend after I tried it uh, for 40 hours, tried for 40 hours to get the pink tail and finally got the SOB. Totally not worth it. I bought the After Years about a year ago on Steam and feel that, in my humble opinion, uh, that I had played the game in the best possible circumstances. It had been a couple of years since I had last played Final Fantasy IV. I had the complete game so I could play it at my pace. Um, I was able to use the SNES controller <laughs> to play the game on my PC for the best possible, quote, retro experience, um, and knew nothing about the game coming in. While it's clearly not as good as Final Fantasy IV, and I recognize all the flaws in the game uh, that you guys pointed out in the podcast, I still really liked it. I loved the mix of old and new characters, seeing the new sides to them, revisiting old locations and old dungeons, hearing all of the old music, and, play and playing the game um, that looked and felt very much like Final Fantasy IV. This game was designed purely and totally to tug on the nostalgic heartstrings. I admit that it worked in my case. It was a blast uh, to the past and something that I would have loved to play back in 1991. The story was interesting enough to keep me going, uh, and the characters were a lot of fun to use with the new tricks and tactics. Uh, but it was the nostalgia that kept me playing. I can really honestly only suggest uh, the game to people who love Final Fantasy IV as much as I do, though. Something uh, in that response, Greg, uh, made me think, that uh, the After Years is definitely made for people who have that really intense nostalgia for Final Fantasy IV. Yep. Um, but Square has kind of ensured that Final Fantasy IV has never actually gone away yep. by re-releasing it so constantly. I don't know if we really uh, talked about that very much in the episode, but like, what's interesting is that Final Fantasy for the After Years, uh, all that nostalgia, like hearing that music again and seeing those locations again, uh, imagine if Final Fantasy IV hadn't been re-released a thousand times. Like you played it on the Super Nintendo and it would be up to you to like emulate it if you wanted to play it again. You didn't have an excuse, like a prompting to replay it every couple of years. Yeah, you didn't have a new release to go to the store and buy and play because, oh shit, I love this game. Yeah. Like I think that the after years, that's another way that like the after years would kind of articulate better. Yep. So it's definitely for people who really love Final Fantasy IV, but I almost feel like, you know, those things that are just the straight up repeated elements, like, yeah. You know, for me, like they never actually went away. Yeah. You know, they, I could get them in Final <laughs> Fantasy four, like, you know, and not just like I can go on YouTube and listen to the music or like I had the soundtrack for Final Fantasy four. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. one of the first video game soundtracks I ever bought. Um, it's not even just that. It's like, oh, like I can just play Final Fantasy four because they're constantly making it really easy to do so. Yeah. They never you know? let its price go up in a way where Final Fantasy for the after years would feel more valuable if you play. Yeah. It. Right. 
Yeah, there was never there was just I, I never had a chance to miss Final Fantasy four. Yeah. Which like th- those are the optimal circumstances Final Fantasy for the after years would work under. Yeah. You know, um, it's weird. So if you go back and listen to classic Retronauts, there's a call in episode where they're talking about Final Fantasy four specifically. I call in and mm-hmm. I say like. Hey, between the after years and all these re-releases that, that that they're doing, because this was around like 2008, 2009, 2010, something like that. Like, are they completely pissing away all of their goodwill? Mm. I don't remember the answer that I got, but this was on my mind. Yeah, yeah, and it's related to like something you know, I know we talked about in the beginning of the episode with the after years, which is Final Fantasy's dwindling, dwindling, dwindling like capital. You know, like the, their brand, like how they are diluting and not protecting the brand like whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so it's just an interesting thing to think about, you know, like Greg specifically saying like, oh, I, I wanted to go back to those dungeons. It's like I just I, I didn't have that experience because I was just at those dungeons. Yep. You know, uh, as somebody who plays every once in a while. So it makes me feel like less like I want, you know, we talked about how like Final Fantasy six has never gotten that Final Fantasy four treatment uh-huh. as much as I would love to see a uh, Final Fantasy four DS style. Yep. Treatment of six that like does something bold mechanically. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually hurt that much that it doesn't just keep coming out. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a bummer. There isn't an easy way to play it with kind of perfect music and perfect translation right now. But uh, it is kind of a, a bummer how often Final Fantasy four has just kind of been repackaged and resold. Yeah. You know, there are, there are downsides to that that I didn't initially think of. Yeah. I wake up every morning and I look at the box where I keep my Wonder Swan. And I think, God damn you. You, you poison cube. <laughs> you poison cube. You dissolve my bones by your yep. very presence. I can't throw you away. Yeah. Can't get rid of the Wonder Swan, man. It'll come back. <laughs> That's where that old saying comes from. Yep. Um, moving on to statements uh, or responses specifically about the after years. Uh, and, and unsurprisingly, there are fewer of these because fewer people have played them. <laughs> we got a couple of them. I'm glad. Uh, thanks, everybody, for writing in. Yeah. Uh, Graham says, by contact. I only first played uh, the after years for the WAF episode. As you can imagine, expanding on a story that I had ingrained in my memory, plot beat by plot beat, and re-exploring a world that I could almost map out in my mind was something special, at least at first. The first chapter featuring Theodore is what I wanted out of the after years. Exploring that Adamant Isle uh, cave is fascinating because it's a new location in a world I was familiar with. That cave could have existed during the time of the original game, but it was never actually depicted uh, because it was never part of the narrative. It made the world of Final Fantasy IV feel bigger without doing much. Sadly, the rest of the game doesn't help expand the mythos of Final Fantasy IV setting. Most of the time, the After Years uh, revisits plot beats right down to the setting and boss, carbon copies of scenarios from the first game, and the characters, new or otherwise, feel non-existent. They barely have arcs or personalities. It's bewildering how afraid this game is to do anything new. It feels cheap, and it makes the world uh, of Final Fantasy IV feel just as unexpansive as it was in the first game. Although I think the final dungeon is a highlight and something I want to revisit with alternate party choices, this game doesn't feel like a sequel. It feels like a bonus episode exclusive for a remake. It feels like a DLC expansion that cheaped out on production and ideas. Yeah, I can't disagree yeah. with that. Yeah, I'm like mild, like I'm just like literally a hair more positive on some of the character stuff. Yep. And that's really character by character. <laughs> right. You know, like it, it really depends because yeah. that's right about most of the characters, I think. There's just that, like there's just like so much they could have done on top of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have been, uh, you know, you, you run into somebody like um, like Edward's secretary who starts out secretly in love with Edward and ends secretly in love with Edward. <laughs> like there's, you know, there's not an arc there. It's like kind of no. a fun character, but there's no there's no change there. There's no room for that. 
Yeah. Um, some people do get expanded. That's like the thing. But the world expansion thing is totally correct. Oh. And the idea that you do spend a lot of time in the same encounters. Yeah. Uh, is, you know, number one bummer. Yeah. Supreme. Or it's like, give me a like, like, like a Babel mech version of the Octomammoth or something like that. Like, oh, that, yeah. that, that is how low the bar is for like what could yeah. have made this feel different aside from a, like a palette swap. Totally. Yeah. And it would have, you know, we, 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 as we talked about in the episode, like, or at least to, to my mind, there are a lot of problems with it. Yep. So like little things I can think of that would fix it wouldn't fix it. No, it would just no. make it'd be like one thing that would make it better. But like it, it would ameliorate it. It would ameliorate it a little bit. And enough of those might make this like, you know, averagey, yep. you know, like uh, it just it would need like a lot, a lot of work. Um, but uh, like just, to, you know, even just if you use the same kind of encounters uh, coming over again, you just did like a rewrite that, you know, changed kind of like the dialogue and made the characters a little bit deeper and the dialogue a little bit sharper would have made a big difference to you. Yep. You know, but lots of things for whom that for wh- which that is true, I think. Yeah. Michael yep. writes via contact saying, I never expected to be able to comment on this game for Watch Out for Fireballs, but I'm glad to have a chance to do so. After a failed attempt on the Wii eShop, I was thrilled to get this as part of the Final Fantasy IV Complete Collection on PSP. I love the sprite design of the PSP version so much, and while the After Years isn't anything great as far as content goes, there are still a lot of cool characters, character designs at least. I especially love Kane's final upgrade as a sprite, um, as he's always been a favorite, and I like the new look a great deal. Um, can't wait for the for the episode because I'll be happy to experience the after years once more without having to replay it <laughs> uh, once through mm-hmm. again myself. Yep. Yeah. The Kane does look really cool as a holy dragon. Yep. I <laughs> like uh, I, I like Kane getting his final redemption for as much as you said he should have been uh, just back, the yeah yeah two two tapped on the back of the back of the head like yep. the second he sneezed. Yes, yep. it is good to see him actually like rise up and see his place in actual society. Yeah. I wish that it had happened in a way that wasn't the way it articulated though. Like in the after years with his like his Cassandra Nova. Kind yeah. of, like that's one of the more successful plots of the game, but like it just ends up making it's like kind of a cheap like what it is is it's a it's a cheap fake out. It, it's trading on your belief that Cain steals crystals. Yep. And it was mind controlled. But that that capital was 100% spent in the first one. Yep. You know, like that benefit that was given too many times. Mm-hmm. It's a cool idea that he gets a redemption though. Yeah. I agree with that. Like he's a good character. I don't like, I want Kane dirge of Cerberus where it's <laughs> his adventures in the afterlife, uh, tormented by all the people who died from this war that he caused. Mm-hmm. Cause he should have been summarily executed for being the greatest villain <laughs> in the, the series. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I can't disagree with you. Although I do like Kane more than you do. A lot of dwarves died. I, yeah. I mean, I, I like him a lot. I just think it's, it's funny that people keep trusting him. It's, I it, like him as a character. I don't like him as a plot element. I, I need to wait until I have like 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 thirty dollars to spend on the two Dissidia games because I understand that Kane is more prominent in those. Mm. And like I'm I'm enough of a Final Fantasy nostalgia fool to be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll spend the money and the time to like go and see what this is. Have you, have you played any of the Dissidias? I have like Power Stone. Kind of, they're like Power Stone with no frame, like without adequate. Uh, frame of reference or like reference points for where you are in space. Oh, weird. I I found them exceedingly hard to play. Yeah, I never, um, I, I never yeah. played them. Uh, I just read their manuals when I was uh, straightening things up at GameStop. Mm. <laughs> so. yeah. It was. I mean, it, I I liked the idea of that. Like, I I would love a like a functional fighting game about Final. I would love like Smash Brothers. Yeah. With with Final Fantasy characters, that would own, and especially if you did like a subspace subspace emissary. 
like that weight uh-huh. of style of plot, I would be like really on board for that. Yeah. Um, I just I remember I bought both the Cydia games because it was, you know, the the Final Fantasy uh, revival uh, for PSP and I was all in on it. Uh-huh. You know, so I played Crisis Core and 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 all those things, uh, and I really wanted to like Dissidia. Yeah. Uh, and then the second one came out, and everyone said it was better, and I think it still controls the same. And <laughs> by the second one, do you mean Duodecim? I do mean Duodecim. <laughs> birth by sleep. So, yeah. Uh, it's so give it a shot. I'm not trying to. It'll be dirt cheap now. I'm not trying to tell you not to try it. Yeah, but, they're like fifteen bucks a piece. Like that's yeah, not a yeah, problem. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not a real money investment. It's just I found them very hard to control as a fighting game. Yeah. Um, personally, um, Cal says via contact, the after years is a very interesting game to talk about, especially compared to playing it while everyone glosses <laughs> over it. It's one of the earliest examples of square Enix experimenting with creating retro style RPGs, which would later create better games like bravely default. Unfortunately, like most experiments, uh, it resulted in a lot of failures. The nonlinear episodic approach just leads to a lot of repetition and lack of progression. Uh, if that wasn't there, the game would probably have been a ROM hack style remix of the original game with a newish story, which could work really well if they mix up classes and change your uh, swallow alarm, uh, change up <laughs> uh, your approach to familiar sites, which was the most interesting part of the original's gameplay. There's lots of underused jobs from three and five that they could use to change things up. Uh, maybe that's just my blue mage bias though. That yeah. is like an interesting idea. Like if people came in with, more drastically different classes yep. that, that, that focus on uh, it being the next generation doesn't know favors. Right. Uh, because you end up with Theodore, who is a mix of his father and mother as a class. You end up with uh, Ursula, you know, you end up with these characters that are essentially just kind of like remixed. Yeah. Carving versions. Copies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing like, you know, cause this world like has the cosmology cosmology to allow for like a blue mage or for like a, a, a red mage or something like that. Yeah. Um, it would bring, be cool. Bring, bring like more because, like, the base game did so good at bringing those FF3 classes forward. You know, yeah. give, give, give me a Berserker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would have been really cool. Yeah. I think that would have been a cool, uh, I, that's an angle I would not have uh, thought of. Yeah. So, and then at the very least, like, have me go through a dungeon rather than trying to make me go through a dungeon with a, uh, you know, hey, you don't get a healer or you don't get a black mage. Like, what happens if you go through a dungeon that, it, you know, you're playing through with a time mage? You know, a berserker, a blue mage, and uh, you know the uh, the animist. Yeah. You know, like bring it, make it totally different, and that would uh, like freshen up a lot of those Jesus Christ those stale things. That sentence that you, that you just said makes me desperately want to play Final Fantasy V. <laughs> just the animist is the code word. Like, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's just the. Um, I just love FF Five so goddamn much. <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, it, it makes me want to replay. Uh, tactics. Tactics. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I could probably stand to play Final Fantasy V again. Yeah. At some point, like I'm, I've, I've, it's the only Final Fantasy, or it's one of the only Final Fantasies I've only played once. Yep. Um, it's just gonna, just gonna be, gonna be a ways. Yeah. So. Yep. No, we're 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 on vacation. We're on vacation from these kinds of games. <laughs> yeah. The the yeah. Animus is a cool class. There are a bunch of cool classes in Five that don't come back. Yeah. Um, and weird, they do come back. We were talking earlier. Um, this is, it, I'm going to have to get used to doing extra episodes are this long because I've been recording for a while on this, uh, but in uh, tactics advance, yep. um, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they bring back a little bit of that, that magic. Finally here, David writes via contact during the episode. You mentioned Golbez needing to hide his identity from the world and being the man in black. Unless he was off making evil speeches somewhere uh, that we didn't see or had banners with his face flying. Um, he's wearing heavy, bulkier armor 
uh, with a full face guard for the entire friggin' game. Uh, though the damn helmet um, uh, was off and he was wearing some lighter armor and poof, nobody is going to uh, wonder who the fuck you are. So I guess we made a deal about Golbez need to, needing to hide behind this, but he still can't call himself Golbez, right? I think, yeah, this is this is referencing that we were saying uh, it's dumb that he hides his identity. Yeah. And they're like, why do they do that? Maybe it's because he was, you know, this, this, he was a, uh, evil tyrant. Right. Right. Uh, and David saying like, Oh, you just, you just take off your mask. Like no one's ever seen him without his armor. Right. Uh, which is true. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, but, so, so he, so he could just call himself Daryl, you know? Yeah. He like, doesn't have to, you know, to be the man in black. And he also is exclusively interacting with people who are fine with him. Yeah. So like he wouldn't go into a village and be like, hello, I'm Golbez. Uh, you may not recognize me without my armor, but here I am. I'm not going to do yeah. evils, though. Hi, you um, may recognize me from such evil acts as the activating yeah. of the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Ape goes to summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> evil acts such as <laughs> Christmas Ape goes to summer camp. The um, But he could have just, like, not, you know. It's it's a, it's a dual illusion system. Like, he he needed to not hide his identity from his friends, and he didn't need to hide his, uh, his identity uh, visibly at all. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's one of the better characters in that game. He's great. Um, somehow. Yeah. Uh, in the after years, like he comes across better than some people yep. do, but it Love. is, it is silly to David's point. Love Golbez. Yeah. Um, he's good. Yeah. I, I was actually, after we recorded the main episode, I went uh, online to look for action figures. Uh, and Final Fantasy four has not gotten a good action figure treatment. I could see that. Uh, yeah. Unlike a lot of Final Fantasies. Yeah. Like. So my thing recently is finishing games and being like, I could stand to have my favorite character from this game on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I've, I've had that about like things staying on the wall. Yeah. Yep. And then wall, like there's definitely like good final fantasy posters and stuff. Yeah. We shared them on, uh, on Slack before that. Yeah. 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 I just want a, a little Cecil, like Paladin Cecil action figure, like hyper articulated. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, it'll never happen though. Nope. So, oh, well, oh, um, well. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Yeah. Um, if you have anything to say about Batman for the NES or Batman Arkham Asylum, um, hit us up by the 15th of September at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yes. Can't guarantee that all of these episodes um, of the listener responses will be as long as this one is. Like Final Fantasy IV is kind of like uniquely positioned to touch a lot of people's buttons. Yeah. Um, but that is up to you um, if you have things to write in. Um, share your stories about growing up with the uh, the SNES. Sorry, not the SNES, the NES Batman game, or about uh, like realizing Batman games could be good with uh, mm -hmm. with Arkham Asylum. Yeah, and I think that we will have uh, other response episodes. Like next month may not be, but when we do more games, you know, yeah, they may not yeah. be as beloved as Final Fantasy IV. But if we're doing three games or four games, even, yep. you know, it'll be there. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, it'll be there. We're still figuring this out, which is the point. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you like this show, if you want to support it, the best way to do that is to support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash TV. You can check out all the rewards uh, that we have available at different tiers, and you can check out our goals, things we're going to do once we get certain certain amounts of money. Um, one of those rewards at $10 and up, uh, get your name mentioned on a show as a thanks. Yes. Uh, so we have some thanks for you. Yes, we do. Starting with Richard Luttrell. Thanks, Richard. Yeah. Um, Gregory uh, Gregory Polander, who yeah. is, I believe, the Greg who wrote in uh, he, above. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Jeremy Wickett. 
Yeah, I interact with Jeremy Wicket on Twitter from time to time. Yes. I see Jeremy. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. Um, Veronica McNamara, um, which is, that's an excellent name. That is a tough, tough name. It is a good and, name. And uh, Veronica, uh, New Vegas. Um, <laughs> McNamara, one of the uh, Brotherhood of Steel in New Vegas, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. So this is a very New Vegas-ass name you got there, Veronica. It's a good name. So Yeah, good name. Parents yeah. are fans of a good fallout. <laughs> so... Uh, Robert Boyd. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Uh, Matthew Rigsby. Thanks, Rigsby. Really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Paul Birch. Yeah, thank you. Um, Robin Young. I appreciate that very much. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Andy Farr. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, J.D. Cohen. Yeah, who I interact with, uh, interact with on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, thanks, guys. No. Really do appreciate it. Yep. So thank you so much. Um this is a point where we should announce what we're what we are doing in October, right? Because we yes. are ending August. We we're, we're choosing August to end uh, <laughs> until until we say the word. We're going to end up like with August like fifty fourth. All the animals are going to be going crazy. Like the yeah. moon's going to be rising in the west. Like it's going to be this nightmare zone until we decide to <laughs> the chronomancers over at Duckfeed decide to end it. Yep. Yeah. We are doing a is it Jackie Chan or not kind of thing and staring directly yeah. into the camera. <laughs> um, the, uh, so October, the month of spooks. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, so this has generally been the month where we have done a survival horror thing. Um, one of and them. And also like something else. Yeah. Like it's like survival horror and whatever. Yeah. No more. October <laughs> spooky from the front to back from now on all spooks. Yep. Because hey, this is cold. Does this mean that spring won't have a survival horror game? Shut the fuck up. Spring spooky to you. <laughs> there, there are no Two fucking rules. Yeah. yeah. See, the thing it's... about spooky is it can happen whenever you don't expect it. Yeah. Spooky doesn't sleep. And the, <laughs> by which I mean like the DJ and the concept. So, <laughs> um, I'm so excited a... about this, Gary. We need to save over the world. What we're doing. Oh, we do. We do. I just, I, I like the spooky. Bit. I also got excited about reminding myself that like, there's no reason we can't do survival horror month in the spring as well. Oh, it could be a survival, survival horror here. Fuck you. Fuck yeah, you all. Like, <laughs> I mean, not survival horror, but like doing something spooky in the spring. At least one thing is going to be exciting because mm-hmm. uh, there's other franchises other than what? Resident Evil. What? Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait, Gary, what are we doing? I'm, uh, I'm so surprised. We're so close to filling out our Resident Evil punch card. Yep. Like by the end of the show, we will have done every Resident Evil. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm certain. Uh, and we're making huge strides in that uh, yes, by doing are. what we're calling a Resident Evil oddball month. Yep. <laughs> so um, I am so scared to say that we are doing. What is that first? Wait, first? That's Resident Evil 3. Nemesis. What? Oh, Nemesis. He's back, baby. And I said. Uh, He's punching through that wall. Oddball, you're probably thinking Operation Raccoon City. No, Resident no, Evil I'm Gaiden. not. No, you're wrong. Because <laughs> we all we want to like the game. So didn't you hear we were excited about it? <laughs> we don't want to do Resident Evil Gaiden if we're excited about it. Uh, so the next thing we're doing after that is Code Veronica. What? Oh, wow. For Dreamcast? Uh, n- not me. <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm doing the version you can download on PS4. Ooh, I'm doing the version that I got for free on PS3. What? Oh, what? What? Um, yeah. And uh, after that, we're doing uh, Resident Evil Seven. Wait a minute! I that think... just came out, man. What? Aren't you guys a retro podcast? Uh, fuck you! Fuck you! Survival horror month. No, fuck you! The, fuck um... us! Fuck everything! Yeah. Fuck everything we ever said <laughs> yeah. about us. Yeah, fuck or be fucked. Welcome to Watch Super <laughs> <Now>. uh... <laughs> Get wet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the um. Resident Evil 7, I think, is the most requested thing uh, anecdotally. 
that oh, we've had. I've uh, had more people bring it up in on to me on Twitter than any other game, especially over the past year. Um, like, yeah. like even above and beyond like things that we were somewhat reluctant to cover on Fireside Chat. Like this was mm-hmm. a game that like touched all of these buttons, these convergences between like walking simulator, like privacy invasion stuff and survival horror things that we have done very well in the past. Um, I am mm-hmm. so, so excited to talk about Resident Evil 7. It is. Yeah, it is. It is a remarkable game. Me too. Um, and it's something I, I've talked about this a bunch of times, but like, I'm not proud of this. I think that uh, degenerate people living in the woods, like old wizard Waitley kind of shit is scary. Yeah. Like I understand there's a classic classist element to like being scared of people who are like, you know, poor and live in the woods. Yep. Um, it does, I can't do anything about it. You will be, like, su- I mean, like, I don't mean they're like ruined stuff. There is a tremendous amount of that is done to make them redeemable. That That's interesting. Cause at the point I'm at now, they just seem like crazy maniacs. Yeah. It is, uh, uh, yeah. I don't want to ruin. I, I don't want to ruin too much, but like they, 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 they have intentionally played with that bias that both of us mm-hmm. have, you know, about like deliverance style stuff, mm-hmm. um, and have uh, brought it up. Yeah, it is. A, it is a, a very like ambitious Resident Evil game. Yeah, and I'm only I'm not that far into it so far because uh, of some false starts, but it is uh, amazingly like them playing against expectations in a lot of ways. I'm already very impressed by it. Yeah, so. Um, I'm very excited to talk about it. It's fantastic. I cannot wait to do a show about it with you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So it will be extremely fun. Those three games, in, in case you couldn't uh, listen between the what's, are what? Res- <laughs> yeah. Resident Evil 3, Code mm-hmm. Veronica, and 7. Yes. Um, which means that some sad, sorry month in the future is going to be Resident Evil 5 and 6 month. Uh, <laughs> I, I like 6 way more than I like 5, dog. <laughs> I, I do too, but I... I I'm due to replay both of them. Yeah. Like just because of weird resident evil, uh, joy. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like the, the way to do that. And I'm not, this is, we're not, this is not planned. So nobody like say you said we we're going to, we're going to do that, yeah. but doing that, those co-op would be really smart because they they play so yeah. much better. Yeah. You know, if we could like coordinate our schedules, yeah. that'd be well, a cool way to we, do it. What, what we need to do is what we have been doing all this time, which is like getting a month ahead where we can actually like make a plan where it's like, Hey, it's, it, it is 10 o'clock yes. Cole's time. And seven o'clock yes. Gary's time. Let's play for two hours. You yes. Know? Yep. And and set that up in advance and like do that or even like in you know now that like file underwater's ending or whatever. Yeah. Like every second Thursday we do that for four hours. Yeah. You know and get through those because that would be a real fun way to do it and also it would be the first time we've done that something like that for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we wanted to we could uh, video them and do that as like a YouTube yeah, thing. No, like, like Patreon I've, subscribers I've or just, something. I've just recently set up like a way to record all that shit. So. Yeah, so maybe we will do that. Uh, yeah. We're not saying for sure, and yeah. we're gonna not do. You know, when we do a survival horror game in spring, it's not gonna be a Resident Evil game. No, so no. we got a little ways before we go back to that well. But I'm excited to revisit, uh, like unapologetically, one of my all-time favorite uh, series. Yep. Like it is. It is. Uh, you know, I just beat three. It is so dumb. Like the thing. It is, but it, it's like, like it's, Nikolai. It's, Come on, man, Nikolai. Yeah, Nikolai is is ridiculous. Like ridiculai. Um, <laughs> And like, uh, it's so dumb, but it just like manages to be really good. And yep. I don't, uh, getting to the bottom of that, if we get to the end of the show and we can like totally figure out like what makes those games so good yep. while being so stupid, uh, then we'll have done something. Yeah. No, I'm, um, fuck man. Look who you're yeah. talking to. I'm fully on board. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 good shit. Like I was afterwards, I was like looking up differences between like, oh, there's the T virus, the T Veronica virus, and the D virus. <laughs> I'm like, who am I? Wait a minute, what is Nemesis <laughs> Alpha? What is Nemesis Alpha versus Nemesis Beta? What was in Lisa yeah. Trevor? Wait a minute, yeah, fuck. How, how did, yeah, how did how did Nemesis get those tentacles? Well, he probably always had them. They were just under his coat. You see, after the time where he jumps in, like, yeah, it was. Uh, oh my gosh, this is going to be so fun. We've yeah, already recorded one of the Batmoth episodes. Um, mm. I'm I'm positive we're going to have fun recording the two others. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Resident Evil Month is going to be so fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Those, <laughs> those games are, and, and I'm also enjoying myself so much getting through them. So I'm really glad that uh, Summer Showdown uh, 2017 is now over. <laughs> Summer, such a mild showdown that did not yes. impact our friendship at all <laughs> yeah, whatsoever yeah. and actually led to some like very good criticism of two beloved franchises. <laughs> yes. Like, but it is so no fucking more. crazy that we characterized it as that. Look, look forward to a totally uncritical, uh, valueless <laughs> look, like a slavering uh, appreciation session of Res- those Resident Evil. That's not quite true. Like there are no, definitely no. things to say about all of them that are, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, but it is. Uh, I had so I had a lot of fun. Nice playing through playing through three, and I'm probably going to start. Uh, I, I would start replaying seven again tonight, but I'm here alone and it's dark. So instead of doing that, <laughs> I'll probably play Veronica, which is not scary. So yeah. no, it's uh, it, it is it is super campy and good. Yeah, yeah, you can't be scary and have uh, what's his head, Alfred. Um, yeah, Alfred. Yeah, Alfred is not scary. <laughs> Steve is not scary. Uh, Steve Steve ends up being kind of freaky. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve gets better, yeah. but like, boy, early on he is not. Uh, Wait, it's all, it's all. What's this all about? You worried about me? <laughs> Get a goddamn different haircut. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut your hair with a gun. Pick an accent, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, lay down. I'm gonna shoot off your hair until you don't look like an idiot. <laughs> um, you have a knife. I left it in the box. Ah, um, shit. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anywho, uh, this has been fun. Patreon.com slash TV. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, and we will see you next week with uh, NES Batman. Yes. Umbasa. Umbasa. Mm.